Welcome to the Momentum Coaching Podcast. I'm a firm believer that momentum comes from knowledge and success. And I hope today's podcast episode adds another piece to your toolbox that helps build momentum in your coaching. Okay, today I'm going to show you guys how to ruin a great practice. Okay, I'm going to give you three things that will for sure make what could have been the best practice of your season, of your week, and ruin it. Okay, here's the first one. Uh, Show up in a bad mood. You know, when you're the coach and you walk in and you kind of got that look on your face and nobody really knows what to do with you, um, or you walk in the door and you just start ripping into your athletes about maybe stuff that doesn't matter, um, or you're just in a bad mood in general, I promise you, your athletes know. And they're going to be more apprehensive towards you. Um, They might do everything you ask, but when they leave that day thinking like, man, my coach was just in a bad mood today, um, I just think, I think it's not good. It's not how you want to do it because I believe as the coach, you need to be emotionally mature enough to bring good, positive emotions to practice. Now, does that mean you can't get onto them or get mad at your athletes or punish them for something or enforce discipline or enforce a standard? No, of course not. But when you do that stuff from a bad mood, so many times we have athletes walking away from practice, not thinking, oh man, I need to do better there. They think, oh, they're just mad at me. And that is not what we want our athletes to do. Now, there's a ton of athletes who are more emotionally sensitive to everything. And it doesn't matter how good of a mood you are. um, If you tell them something, they could still think you're mad at them. And that's okay. But you know when you are not feeling it and you show up in that bad mood and it makes it makes other things worse. Like if your practice is already not going great and you're in a bad mood, it's probably not going to get better. You're going to be more frustrated. So the things I do, one, to make sure I'm in a good mood. Uh, this sounds weird. Like if I know I'm heading into a practice with a bad mood, uh, I put on some like kind of pump up music, like almost like I'm getting ready for a swim meet, like just listening to a song or something just gives me a better space. Um, I intentionally will start practice with something a little more fun, even if it throws what something else I had planned out the window. Because sometimes we just need to have a little fun. We need to let off the pressure a little bit, and then we can get into what we're doing. Um, also, I just focus on the good stuff. So if I'm already feeling edgy, and look, life happens, right? I have um, I have two toddlers at home. I have a pregnant wife who's pregnant with twins. Life is stressful and crazy. And sometimes your day doesn't go how you were hoping it was going to go. But what I do is I'll specifically, like, I'll ignore the kids who might amplify that bad mood. And they might just get more ignored that day. And I'm going to lean into coaching the kids who who have good energy, um, who do what I ask, who are going to do things really well. Um, or I might tell my assistant coach, hey, I'm not in a great mood today so I want you to run this piece of it like I'll give more ownership to someone else if I feel like I can't do the best job I can and that's just you being honest with yourself it's not an everyday thing now if you're in a bad mood every single day walking onto the pool deck you should uh you should check if you really want to be a coach still or see what else is going on you know I think everybody gets a day uh, but when you got when you start stacking multiple days together in a row, either something's going on in life or something's going on with your heart in in response to your team or the sport or being a coach. Next thing, 
is being unprepared. Now, when I say unprepared, I don't mean like, do you have your workout typed out already? I don't care if you whiteboard workouts, if you write it on a piece of paper, if you print it out two days in advance, or if you just call out the set. But there's a difference between a coach who knows what the plan is for that day and who doesn't. And if you show up to practice kind of hoping you're like, well, okay, I think we're going to do this today, that's not good. And your athletes, at the youngest age, your athletes will know if you're not ready or if you don't have a plan for them that day or it feels like you're just winging everything. And, you know, when when you get that feeling in the air, that's when you start getting athletes asking a whole lot if they can change things. And that's when you start second-guessing the work you're even doing that day. Like, you just need to have confidence in your plan. And look, you don't need to be the best coach in the world to have confidence in your plan. You just need to sit down for five, ten minutes before and think, what do we want to accomplish today? Now, if you want to take that a step further, you'll have a weekly plan. If you want to take that a step further, you'll have like a phase plan or a macro cycle plan. And then a step further is a season plan. But man, you need a plan. If you want to be optimally prepared, you need to have a plan. And also, if you have assistants, communicating that plan ahead of time to them, depending on the assistant. Some assistants are pretty good at just showing up that day, that practice. Okay, what's the plan for today? And we're good to go. Some assistants, they need more. And it's you as the lead coach of your group to utilize your assistants so that they are the most effective. Um, the last thing I would do if I really wanted to like not run a good practice is I would make it complicated. So when I say complicated, I mean, um, are we learning something new today? Um, when you're learning something new, things go slower. It's a little more complicated. So if you combine something complicated, something that's going to take longer than you think, and you combine it with maybe a big piece of practice you're trying to accomplish, and you don't get to do everything in because you mistimed it. Another way to make things complicated is if it's too complicated for the level that you're coaching, right? Seven-year-olds are going to do great with real simple instructions, 625s of this. A seven-year-old is not going to do great with 350s kick swim, 475s kick drill swim, three 100s descend, right? Like you get what I'm saying. You keep adding layers to your set. You keep adding layers to what you're doing. And this, the the complicated thing, it just it just scales and it's very relative to the level of athletes that you're coaching. So you as the coach, you should make sure like, hey, how many times are we changing equipment in this set or in this workout? How many times are we changing distances? Are we changing intervals? Are we changing different things within the set? Because I would much rather have my athletes execute something simple that's in their wheelhouse and they do it really well than to create all this fancy things just because it makes me feel good about writing uh, a fancier practice with all these different drills, equipment changes, effort changes, interval changes, distance changes. So those are like the main levers that make things more complicated. Um, so you don't want to do that. Or if you do, if you want to run practices where you feel like you're running around with your hair on fire, trying to organize everything, then do that. And here is the, the big tell, like, here's the thing you can look out for to know if your workout is too complicated or it's a little over the head of, of your athletes. And this is only if, um, most of your athletes are doing this. Uh, if they, if they keep stopping at the wall or in between distances and they don't know what's next. Or if they keep messing up, like executing the skill, 
the distance or the effort level that you need. Um, and I say when you see like the majority, like when I, I have a couple of athletes who like, they always know what's going on. They always know how to execute. It's the athletes I've been coaching a little longer than some of my other ones. Like they just get it. They're moving. And when I see more of them struggling with um, what we're doing that day, uh, that's when I'm like, okay, what did I do wrong here? I take a look at it. Because the kids that just start in your group, there's always going to be a phase of of learning, learning your style, how your workouts flow. Um, it might even be like your language on your whiteboard or your workouts is a little different. On our time, on our team, we have a common language, and that's where we all call drills by the same name. We we have different elements where we all call it the same thing, like hesitation drill. Everybody on our staff calls it hesitation drill. We don't call it shark fin or bow and arrow. And it sounds really simple, but really that that little thing enables us, a kid, to go from 8, 9, and 10 up all the way until high school. And they all know what hesitation drill is. So if you don't have a common language on your team or if you and some of the other coaches on your staff aren't in agreement with what you're teaching, you should check that out and see if you can form a common language. That's actually a good um, structural change our team has had for like the past 10 years. And if my head coach is listening to this video, she's probably uh, rolling her eyes because sometimes I'm the coach that gets the names wrong on the common language. And that's okay. You don't need to be perfect. Um, I'm saying this to myself and to everybody and to my head coach. You don't need to be perfect. Um, but when you do say something wrong, you either need to adjust or you and your staff need to have a discussion about what that drill or what that skill is called. Um, and that will reduce um, complexity. Reducing complexity is one of the best things you want to do because you don't want to make your workout so complex you don't get anything done. You also don't want to make races so complex that it like hurts your brain to race. Like I don't want athletes thinking while they are um, racing, right? We want to just go. We want to execute what we have done. So those are my main three things. If you want to run bad practices, I have a whole video on writing better practices inside of my swim coach launchpad. So if you want to see that, go to betterswimcoach.com. The swim coach launchpad is like your one-stop shop for coaches that are trying to level up, especially like coaches in their first five years of coaching that want to learn how to write better workouts, create a better team, coach technique better. Um, so head over to betterswimcoach.com to check that out. But until then, let's go be better coaches.